You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode number 105. Hey, today I'm actually on site in our new warehouse, new studio with the No Skin crew. So if you don't, if you didn't actually know, um, I've partnered up with a few friends to create a fashion label, a vegan fashion label. I have talked about it a few times on the podcast, but um, I think this is an element of my life and my business that you guys never really get to hear about because it's probably more behind the scenes and it's a little bit separate to what I usually do and talk about and who I interview. So I thought, why not get the team on here and we can talk about the company a little bit and what we are actually going through, how it's all came about and um, and all that. So uh, guys, if you haven't left a review on the podcast yet, make sure you swipe <laughs> up, hit the button, click subscribe, do all those things. Leave me a review so then I get more listeners and then keep skyrocketing. And um, yeah, you guys ready to get into it? Well, I feel like I should leave you a review first. Can you? Well, <laughs> your phone, leave me a review. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so just to uh, introduce you guys, we've got Tony here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see we're about to have a drink as well. But to my left, we have Tony. And to my right, we have Ashley. And the three of us are the co-founders or founders of No Skin, which is has been around for about 12 months now, but only just starting to really take off. Um, and you probably, if you're watching YouTube, you can see behind us, there's a lot of inventory and stuff that we've got going on. A lot of shoes and boots <laughs> and things like that. But um, yeah, how are you guys? Uh, really well. Thanks, Jai. Great. Very formal, isn't this it? This sounds very formal. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to make it sound formal, sorry. I'm not really used to this kind of thing. Ashley, you introduce yourself and I'm going to pour myself up a drink. So I am Ash. I feel like I've had to say this a few times. I've been doing some filming lately and I'm trying to get a little bit better at talking to the camera and now I'm talking to a microphone. It's not easy. And also just to put everyone, I mean, just like a little bit of a backstory here because I've been on social media for so long. I'm definitely putting everyone in the deep end all the time. Like now we're doing, now there's cameras, now there's lights, now there's microphones, now we're doing this thing. Ashley's kind of always on for the ride. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> That's it. Funny, Tony actually showed me um, this kind of guy who's got like a whole YouTube personality and I was a bit like, oh, I really don't know how to talk to a camera. This is really bad. And Tony's like, check this out. And he showed me this guy's backlog back to his first video six years ago and it was just so like, I, mean, I don't know how far much we're going to be doing that, but it was actually really kind of nice to see someone else actually who had such a outgoing, amazing camera presence and then just saying, oh, actually you need to practice. So this is my practice. Yeah, so no thank one you. Hey, and I think a lot of people don't realize, like, and people reach out to me all the time saying, like, I'm just not comfortable in front of the camera. And I'm like, man, when I got in front of the camera, I was the least comfortable person you could ever imagine. But we, I can't imagine that from you. Yeah. <laughs> we, used, we used you as, as like an example. Yeah, Jai talks really well. He does it a lot. Yeah, he does it a lot. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a good example because I do it all the time. So now I just know that I'm just like, I think you have to um, accept that sometimes you look shit and you say bad things and things don't work out. And then if you accept that, then you become limitless because you no longer care. Yeah, such a good, care. I know. It's, I feel like I don't care. Like a lot of my attitude is I don't give a fuck, but then there's something like I just go deer in the headlights, but it is mm. probably that. There's probably a subconscious thought of like, what if I say the wrong thing or you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yeah, it's good to remember though. And like you said before that, if you're putting something on your story or you're putting something up, it's really temporary. Like in 24 hours on your story as well, it's going to disappear. But in this case, this is a podcast, so it's going to be there forever. So just yeah, to reassure you. Yeah, that again. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually crazy because podcast episodes, like people will listen to this in three years' time. Yeah. 
And I always forget about that. And I cringe when people write to me and say, hey, I'm listening to your first episode from two years ago. Please don't do that. Was that only two years ago? <laughs> yeah, and I was 18 months ago. And if you do do that, please don't tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, tell me, like, are you pretty comfortable in front of the camera or are you sort of getting yourself out there a little bit more and sort of open to the idea of more social media and more personal brand, I guess? Definitely open to more personal brand, more comfortable behind more comfortable behind a microphone and podcasting, I think, sometimes, and weirdly more comfortable behind the camera for no skin. Like if you follow us and you look at our stories or something, you'll see me talk and you'll see me on there. And that's fine. But actually doing it on my personal account, which I know is, you know, family and friends following, that's actually where I find it more uncomfortable. Yeah, I've actually noticed that with you. I feel like when I put the camera on you, you're just you're like really comfortable and relaxed and like I'm really good at running my mouth when there's not a camera running. I mean, I'm pretty good on camera as well, I guess, sometimes. But yeah, you have an also like a relaxed thing. But it's interesting to say that about like your personal stuff. You're not so relaxed. Or it's- yeah, I think it's harder because you know, and I think we've all, we've all got it, that there's those friends as well that you've got. Um, and they might be great friends of yours, but you just know that they're going to see you and they're going to see you trying to turn on that personal brand, which is something that we shouldn't be afraid of and is so, so beneficial for business. But you're like, man, I know that so-and-so is going to see this and they're going to be like messaging that to someone else. And you'd be like, you see what this guy's doing? And it's that thing that you've got to get over. And it's weird because, you know, it's it's more uncomfortable. It was the same thing when I'd play music before. I had no problem doing it in front of a thousand strangers. But if I had to play an acoustic guitar to like three or four of my good friends, it feels way more intimate, way more relatable and a lot harder to do. So. I it's weird how we always think about that one person that won't approve of what we're doing yeah. as opposed to everybody else that supports us, always. Yeah. Like the one hater, the one naysayer, the one non-believer. Which is, which is <laughs> bad. I'm, I don't know if this is a good, a good tip or whether you should, be, you, know, you should just be like, you know what, I'm going to do it and I don't care what they think. But on Instagram, you can also block your stories from showing up to a certain person. So if you've got that one person in your mind and that's giving you that a hanger. Person. I don't have a person. I'm but like, you just like, I fucking hate you. No, I'm like, <laughs> do you if, hate anyone or does anyone hate you? I don't think so. <laughs> Are they on this couch? I mean, mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Have you blocked>? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I haven't seen a story of yours in months. <laughs> I guess it's like, I think it's like, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying you're not emotionally mature, but it's like a definitely maturity sense and you realise that the haters hate because it's, it's always something to do within them. I mean, and that's yeah. something that you it's say a lot. Yeah. Well, what's the point? And also, what's the point of caring? I used to care, definitely. Mm. I cared so much. And I think I was just so hung up on like, especially like the hometown, like, you know, people that I grew up with, like, what are they going to be thinking when they see my stuff? And then after a while, I realized like, man, I'm comparing myself with people that don't do anything. Why does that mean anything? Like, why would I hold myself back to someone else's limitations kind of thing? So now, like, I can sit here all day long and talk in front of a camera, in front of a crowd of people. I don't care because I'm like, man, I'm doing something. So if you want to judge me doing something... Like I That's fine. You at least need yeah. to be doing something yourself. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's talk about beers. We're starting this um, no skin journey, and I'd actually love to share. I've shared it once before, but um, I guess like the way this all started, and it all started, and um, a lot of my listeners know that I'm I'm an extreme opportunist. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty. Fair I think that's fair. Yeah, it's not even an understatement. And um, I think for me, like. When I started shooting weddings, it was such a game changer for me because coming from where we came from, I mean, I never got to go to friends' weddings, never got to go to any weddings. And I felt like weddings was like a thing where I got to make connections with people that I couldn't usually make connection with or there wasn't a reason 
to be in different circles and things like that. And I always knew there's opportunities with people outside my zone, basically. And so I actually shot Tony's wedding. And it was, you know, one of those things where it's like Tony was the person I was trying to attract into my life, uh, was someone's ambitious and they want to do cool things. And that's for myself, like what I want to be surrounded by. Mm. And um, Tony and I just sort of hit it off. Like we were just brainstorming ideas, going for coffee walks. And I had an idea a few years ago, and I remember coming to Ashley about this like years ago, um, maybe like three to four years ago. And so the look on Ash's face says that she doesn't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I actually told her this and she said she doesn't remember, but we met at Emerald Chain Ho and I was like, Ash, can I meet with you? Because I want to start a fashion label, right? And so we went down and then you said like, it's harder than you think. And I was like, I know that, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I, what the vision was, and this is what I told you, I was like, I want to have a Ford company that has a warehouse in, in Collingwood where people come and then they buy stuff as if it's a warehouse of iPads inside our store. And then on our website, we're going to track everything that everyone's ever bought. So then that way we're going to be able to suggest them to like buy some new jeans without them having come, gone on our website and stuff. So I had this like cool idea, more on the automation and, and just like future business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wanted to be vegan. And so nothing ever happened because... Did it, I just shut you down? No, you, no, you, you told me that was going to be hard and then you told me a few things I needed to do. Um, but the thing was, I was so busy with everything. So it was... And a few friends asked me, like, what happened? Joe always talks shit. Like, what happened to that fashion label? I'm like, man, I'm not doing everything all the time. Like, I have ideas, but it's a seed mm. to something, right? It's a manifestation, I guess. Of yeah, sorts. It's, it's like stuff's going to happen whenever it happens sort of thing, when it's ready. And um, Tony came to me and said, I've got this idea. And so he pitches me this idea that's almost identical to the idea that I had pitched you. And I was like, Tony, that's so weird, man, because, like, I've been thinking about doing something like this and I, I can't do it because I'm so busy with everything and I'd love to, I'd love to do all the ideas. But mm. how can you do ideas if you don't have people in your corner? Because as we all know, business takes more than one person and you need passionate people that want to go after something. So we got yeah. brainstorming. And then I remember like it was kind of going somewhere, but not really because Tony and I wasn't the dream team. Yeah. Because we were like, man, like we I got all the ideas, but we di- didn't actually have any knowledge. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, my knowledge was like, hey, man, I bought some shoes before and I was bought jeans. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a customer. Cool. Yeah. I'm a customer. Um, and so I kind of put it out to the universe and I was like, if we had Ashley, that's my friend. And I remember telling you, I was like, this is my friend. If I could get her over the line somehow then this would be a business. But without her, it's going to be really, mm. really hard, right? And then so I've, I was just like thinking about it. I was like, I have to get Ashley. I know I've talked to her before and she wasn't ready for some opportunities because she's been so busy with her own stuff. And I was like, I've got to get her over the line. And then I went over to a friend's house, a mutual friend's house, and Ashley walked through the door. She's like, guess what? I just got fired. <laughs> and, I, and I literally was like high five in the air. Guess like, what? Yeah, well, yeah I, it was I, kind I, of a happy. We were drinking whiskey. It was, fine. It was, it was a very happy afternoon. <laughs> and I, and I don't know if you remember the look on my face when you told me. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I actually remember that. And I was like, oh, yeah, you get it. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's literally the best thing ever. Well, I got made redundant, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, this, is, this is actually the start of COVID. So um, our company did a massive restructure um, when COVID hit. And I went to a friend's house for dinner and wasn't really that bothered because I th- feel like I'd run my tenure at this company anyway. And I guess the perks of the job were travel, which wasn't going to be happening for a long time. 
And it was just, it was actually a really serendipitous occasion because I happened to be at a mutual friend's house. Jai was there. And then he pitched the idea to me and I was like, yep, sure, let's do it. Got you are you all week and just <laughs> snagged the deal. I, like, oh. I remember the words. I was like, I remember I had a smirk on my face, which I always do. <laughs> I'm scheming something. And you told me that you just got fired and I got this smirk and I had to sort of look away. And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I reckon I've got an opportunity for you. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think about this idea? And then I pitched it to you and you're like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And I was like, secretly super stoked, but I was like, well, just keep it cool, man. Like, it's all good. <laughs> like, all right, like, maybe we can meet tomorrow at my studio and we can talk a little bit more. And then I was like, I've got this in the bag. <laughs> I didn't know I was getting played. <laughs> oh, man, I was on it. I was yeah. like, you walk through the door, you walked into the trap. <laughs> Telling me, yeah. like, open line, like I just got fired. What? Well, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just get a text. It's like, come to the studio tomorrow at three. I've got a surprise. <laughs> this is weird, but sure. That's how we teed it up with you. Oh yeah. my God. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, what was yeah, going so on. Yeah, I surprised Tony, and then you guys got on the couch, and then I was just like, well, this is. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, we. I remember, and I remember meeting Tony for the first time too, and it was just like, Joe was like, I, th- I thought you told me to come meet Tony. I can't remember. You're like. No, Come, let's talk about it. Tiny, okay. Tiny, yeah. but... I thought I was getting like a box of chocolates or something. I didn't know. <laughs> but I remember sitting down with you and it was actually, it just flowed and it was just like, mm. yeah, this works. Like, cause we just sat there and we chatted and you asked me some industry stuff and I don't know, it just like, it seemed to mesh really well. And then it was a couple of hours later and I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> but I think. Yeah, and the rest was sort of history, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's, there's a couple of sides to that and some, in some respects, I think you could say, yeah, I'd actually love you to know, a bit more of your side. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my actual side, like, yeah. So, go, I guess it actually goes a little bit further back into where we're doing the wedding planning and getting getting you on board to be the photographer. Um, and that was, you know, you were you were one of three people we spoke to, oh. so you, you made the cut. So that was good. <laughs> um, but even on that, actually, like, you know, even from the sense of just having you as the photographer that that conversation was like that's that's the guy you know so there's definitely there's definitely a lot to be said for your your way of working with the clients but then that also gives me reassurance that you know how to run a business well Mm. which obviously at the time wasn't something I was looking at it for but then as we got further down the track I'm looking at how you manage that business and what that looked like and then a big thing for me as well was actually going into your studio that you had at the time where you'd bring clients in. It was such a good experience for people coming in. But also, you know, you're in there, we're going through talking about stuff for the wedding. And then Lilu's in there as well, working on her business up at her desk. And, you know, unfortunately, you haven't got that studio anymore, but it was such a nice space. And I came out of there and, you know, I was talking to Caitlin, my partner, and she's like, all right, we're going with Jai. He'll be the photographer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. But that's where I want to work. I want to do something like that. That is way, that's what I should be doing. I'm like, I don't feel that happy in what I'm doing now. I want to be somewhere where I can run my own thing, have that creativity, make that space or like make something like that for myself. So it was like, from that point, I had that kind of vision in mind, which is why then, you know, post-wedding and we're just catching up and doing the kind of like post-wedding, here's your photos, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, the photos are great. The photos are great. What about this idea? Well, let's talk about this and let's talk about that. And just having those conversations. So yeah, as you say, like the, uh, maybe we'll talk about it more in a minute in a different stream of topic, but there was a real evolution of the ideas as well. It was pretty different at the beginning. Like, you know, we're looking at retailing other people's products and working out numbers for that and stuff. But it was good to just go and have those you know, we were going for a walk every 
Friday or whatever, grabbing a coffee and just chatting ideas. And you start to think this is, these are the kind of conversations I want to have. I'm not necessarily getting these conversations in other places. It's a free space for ideas and for actually being creative and getting inspired about stuff. Um, so that was all good. But at the same time, like you say, it's not really gaining traction. Mm. So on one hand, it's like, this is really cool. We're having these ideas. But on the other hand, is this actually going to amount to anything? You start wondering what's going on. Until then, yeah, I get a text saying, come to the studio at three o'clock. There's a surprise. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I had no idea. I actually wasn't sure what that was going to be about. And I walk in and I'm like, there's a person sitting on the couch. I didn't What's know that. that? <laughs> I you'd been laid yeah. up as well. You thought that in a normal circumstance, you might know what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you handed yeah. it Everything's chaos in my world. I'm yeah. just like, let's just put some, smash some people together. Yeah. See what happens. And then. And that was literally what was happening. I was like, we'll just sit back to see, you know, where's the chemistry. Yeah, just see where it goes. And then I think, you know, we went to, I don't know if it was the same day or maybe it's another time we met and we went to Red Sparrow and. Mm. Like grabbed some great pizza place and discussed ideas, um, but yeah, it was actually really quickly easy. Said that we were like, let's do it. Let's yeah, commit. yeah. But that was when you guys kind of approached me and were like, "All right, so we want you to commit. Like, how are we going to like make it? I don't know. Um, I guess like you wanted to make it appealing to me. Like, yeah. I, I was about to go into lockdown and be spend a long time alone and all that kind of thing. So it was nice for me to have a project to work on, but I think you guys like offered me a partnership. So you offered me a stake in the business, mm-hmm. which is smart. Like, I mean, of course I'm going to want it to succeed. And I mean, I would anyway, and I feel like I do put my heart into everything that I do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember that being like a really positive thing, like coming out and you guys were like kind of catering for my needs and like, what do I want? And it was just, I don't know, it was really nice and open. And It's funny actually, because I said like, I don't know if it was the same day we went and did that, but of course there was no way it would have been. We would have had like discussions between us. What are we going to offer? How do we want to structure it? There's probably actually a month in between that period. But looking back on it, it just seems like, no, we met up. I said, hi, we went to get pizza and then we signed a contract (laughs) and we were in business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think there's also something to be said for that. I mean, maybe there would be guidance from some people that, you know, you really need to vet the people that you're going into business with. I, I mean, I knew jai but not really that well Mm. at that point you know the amount of hours we'd actually spent together was probably like 10 to 12 hours (laughs) and then i'm meeting ash and that's a handful of hours there doing stuff and then you know you're agreeing to go into like a proper business a proper company this is you know you're registering it you're taking financial steps you're doing all of that Mm. so maybe that's maybe that's a crazy thing to do but i think you've got to grab the opportunity a little bit because it's um i think like so many people structure things so, like to the to the book like for instance like we didn't actually have a business plan to be honest there is no, no. Business plan, right no um and then like to a lot of people that'd be like oh fuck man you just invest a lot of money and there's no business plan like what, what's actually happening yeah like, we got ideas but i think there's so much creativity gets killed when there's too many rules and mm. there's too many roadblocks instead of actually like evolving something and seeing you know like actually running business from the heart sort of thing where it's like oh, for sure seeing how like do i vibe this person and then being transparent as well like you might not vibe with me in different situations and like we even had that conversation you know like you need to not only vibe the person but you need to lay it all out of like how you are as a person and to work with and what your you know garbage is as well mm. but i remember saying to you like hey man like i get stubborn <laughs> my way is the right way and that's just that's just me yeah it's not i'm not right but you need to like break through that you know i think that's it you need to tell me that (laughs) 
Yeah, let's cop it. <laughs> Wish I'd had that warning. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But I think it's uh, there is, and I'm I'm the person, you know, in the in the trio, I'm the person who's the more structured, the more organized. Like that's what I bring. That's kind of my my yeah. role. But in that's this. what I love about it too. And I've said mm. this to you before. Like I think that structure, as much as I like whinge and moan when you try and make me use Asana and all these programs I don't want to use, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's good. I'm glad that you're on top of that. I feel like I don't have to worry because I know that you've kind of got it. Like I know if I fall too far out of line, you'll you know, you'll be there clicking. But I mean, I think I did see, I don't think it was a business plan, but you had all these ideas down of what you thought you wanted this business to be. And I remember reading that, this document that Tony had put together. And I think just reading that and seeing how far ahead you'd thought and you've thought of these different kind of ways to funnel the business, should we want to go which either way? And I think just seeing that laid out for me gave me total confidence that like you kind of, you'd know how to pivot and move. And you had, I don't know, I think you already had these kind of scenarios played out. I think so. And I think to an extent, like I'm, I'm the kind of person who would have probably gone down the road. And if I'd been prompted to do it as well, would have gone further into a business plan or, if, you know, if we're getting external funding or something like that. But from the ideas that we originally had, and even the way it was when you first agreed to come on board and the stuff we talked about, the business model was actually so far removed from what it is now that if we'd had a plan and we'd stuck to that because it was like, well, this is what the plan says and we've got a plan. <laughs> We would have failed pretty quickly. I think we would have failed really quickly because it was actually by not having a set in stone plan and foundations, it was way more, you know, it was way more accessible for us to change direction, change our mind, jump on opportunities as well. And we're doing that, you know, I mean, we're not, we've only been launched and, you know, soft launched a couple of months, but we're still looking at what opportunities are there and trying to make the most of those and use that as leverage rather than being stubborn about this is what was written down in the plan 18 months ago, so it must be the case. I wonder how that works for anyone really though, like creating a business plan like that. And I think, I don't know, you have to be able to be malleable and adapt to what is thrown your way. I don't think you want to be thrown off your path too much. There's definitely like moments where I'm like, no, we need to stick to our guns and mm. this is how we need to like do it and look and we just need to wait because I think people can get scared and they can like change and change too much in a sense as well and kind of move around and try to match other people and what everyone else is doing. And I think it's important that you stay kind of pretty steadfast. Absolutely. I mean, business is business is an investment, just the way that buying shares in something is an investment. And when the market goes turbulent and when things get rocky, the worst thing you can do is panic sell. And it's the same thing when you're running the business that's your investment is when things look turbulent or it doesn't go your way, is making panic decisions in the lows, which is the equivalent of like, you know, bailing out at a loss and it's that's what you've got to try and avoid is ride ride that through and see the future in the market but i also think um like business in 2021 is about being fast as well so we can Mm. react so quick like something happens something changes for instance like i mean social media might have changed from when we first made a plan and what we're going to be doing yeah we can like literally pivot change adapt maneuver and i think that's also really important to be in that position like COVID just hit or something and it's like mm. what can we do where where can we go where we're not losing all our staff or we're not you know yeah. like killing the business but how can we like adapt as fast as possible or a new opportunity comes past and it's like we need to be on that i think i'm else. learning that as well i think I'm, I'm used to working in like kind of big ship companies where it's like a really big ship to turn around like you mm. want to and i've always got ideas and i'm like i'm at meetings going let's do this and i'm like you know, but it's like, you, it's just got to filter through so many people and get approved in the process. And I'm like, oh, wait, we don't, I don't have those kind of shackles on anymore. I can, 
I can. Like if I have an idea, we can kind of follow it through. And I think I'm still learning that like, oh, actually, you know, we can kind of do what we want. And it's like, it can be taken advantage of probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think speed is everything. I mean, that's mm. how I run all my businesses. <laughs> <laughs> like I just love, like I give myself the freedom and my staff the freedom to make choices without even asking me. Yeah. Because I'm like, man, if this is the thing that we need to be doing, like we, by the time you get to me and then I recruit it a week later, I'm like, we could have already created that content. I think that was one of the biggest shifts when you, you said that exact same thing to me. You're like, I don't, you don't need to put this round for signing off if there's something there and you think it's the right thing to do, mm. make the decision and go for it. The worst thing it can do is be wrong. Like, yeah. And, no and at this stage and at this <laughs> size and whether it's, you know, something that you're putting out on social media or if it's, all right, maybe we're all going to sign off on like producing a product and spending a significant amount of money. But, you know, if it's something that's more day to day, we're also not, you know, we're not a huge company. We're not Patagonia who can put out one tweet and wreck their company reputation. Like mm-hmm. there's only so many people who can see it. There's only, you know, if you put out a Facebook ad, there's only so many people who can see it and not like it before you pull it down and try something different. It's yeah. not going to wreck the whole potential. Yeah, it's very interesting. I guess like it's interesting just starting a new business and being in a space where you can experiment more than everyone. Mm-hmm. Also, like we we are the underdogs and I think a lot of the times we forget that we are because we're trying to com- compare to everybody else. Yeah. But, like say Patagonia or something, like they're not the underdogs, they're the big timers. And for us, like we can be so underestimated where people wouldn't even take notice of us. Yeah, but we can like slingshot past so many people because we can adapt and change and put our content where they can't do yeah. things that they won't do because it's too risky for a bigger business or it's like too outspoken or it's too left wing or it's too something, right? And I think they're the things where like if we want to find opportunities to like have exponential growth in a company, like that's the stuff that we need to be leaning into. I think so. And I think one thing that, you can do as a smaller business as well. And for any kind of business you've got, if it's just you as a sole trader or, you know, a creative entrepreneur or you're starting a business with a few people, the one thing you've got that a bigger company hasn't got is the ability to put your face and your persona behind it and let people support you. And and that's what we try and do is put ourselves in that, even doing this, we're putting ourselves forward. We're not into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it's not the same with a with a bigger company. Like, you know, if you're looking at someone like Patagonia, you're not going through their Insta stories and seeing This is what's interesting guys. because I actually think companies like Patagonia, and this is just an example, but I actually believe that they are going to be losing because mm. they don't have any executives that have personal brands, no CEOs, yeah. personal brand. They don't have any face behind anything. So that means there's no responsibility. That means there's no, like, there's no one there that I can actually go, like, I'm doing business with that person. And I believe yeah. like companies, the reason why I think Tesla is one of the, it's the biggest car company and everyone thought it was going to be dead. It was because the CEO has a personal brand, attaches himself to that. So then when he does tweets, it's like responsible. And what he talks about is responsible for that whole company. So you feel like you're buying into his beliefs and that, um, and and into him, I guess. Absolutely. Like it is, it is those companies now that even accidentally have had personal brand. I mean, personal brand has obviously been a thing for for years and years, but it's more, people look at it more now as a facet of their business. Mm. But you take somebody like Richard Branson had extreme success because he was always the face of Virgin. And even when it's doing terribly, and for me, it's like, you know, Richard Branson worked with punk record labels. I always think he's he's cool. I back the things he does. Mm. Whereas I really don't care about like British Airways as an airline, but 
virgin well, it assigns an like, emotion to it when you can assign a person to it you can mm. relate and people relate and i think that's a lot of thing that you talk about and authenticity and if people don't see how it works and how it runs behind the scenes like it's hard to connect it's with hard that. to trust yeah mm. and i think trust is the big like especially when we're first starting out we don't really have the social proof or track record no so to build trust for people to actually buy products of us know it's going to get delivered means like the easiest way to build trust is show your face yeah you know buy from me look at my face you know what i mean yeah so then it's like well it doesn't show up man jai <laughs> he's accountable email. yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and it's a great way as well to be to you know if you do put a foot wrong or you do something that you're not happy with or even if you were to make a product you know we recently and for people who follow jai may have seen it that we were doing pre-sale on corduroy like a uh, corduroy jacket and pants it's recycled cotton. It's important to us to have sustainable materials. We weren't able to get that. So we had to refund people's money in pre-order. But it was a great opportunity for us as people to get out there and explain why and put that forward. It brings much more trust to us as a business if people know that we're sticking to the underlying belief system and our ethics. Yeah, it's, some, it's a thing that we always happening. come back to. And like, do we really want to do this product? What is the point of it? Does it stand with our ethos? Like... And unfortunately, like as a small business, it's like the things that you come up against as well. Like we're using suppliers and manufacturers that are dealing with really big brands. And so as a startup, we need our manufacturers to trust in us as well, that we're not just going to do one order and then split. And it also forces us to try and meet those minimum order quantities, which is not something that we don't want to be producing lots of stuff that is going to go to landfill. That's part of our ethos as well. Yeah. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it is harder for us being smaller because quantities and everything is smaller in it. The availability of the clothes and stuff, because sometimes people say like, yeah, man, can't you just order up a few of those and find organic finds, vegan finds, recycled and things like that. Ideally, like, yeah. yeah. But this is the thing. And this is what I've pushed with the companies I've worked with in the past as well. And the thing is in those companies, I was pushing to use those fabrics because unless there's like big companies pushing the manufacturers and asking for recycled fabrics and asking for sustainable fabrics, it doesn't happen. And so it's just like, it's an ongoing battle and, and we're getting there. But then, yeah, we're just hitting a few walls as a small company. And I mm. think that as a whole, it's definitely a lot, people are a lot more aware and people want to be using recycled materials but looking at fast fashion places as well, they're also getting onto this bandwagon, which is not ideal because there's a lot of greenwashing out there, but it does make room because it does push all the manufacturers and the people that are making the clothes to actually be sourcing and needing to source those sustainable fabrics. And so it's a bit of a filter down effect in a positive way for us in that aspect. Before we get more into the clothing as well, because obviously we want to talk about that and tell people more about it. But I also want to know from you, Jai, we got our, we got your origin story. But what about from that point, you know, after the point that we've got the company registration through, we've signed the contract, you've then had a business blowing up, mm. you know, you're running two summits, you're speaking to Gary V, all these things. How is it juggling two businesses that are completely different as well? It's really interesting because like the way that I see life is, is just all an adventure and like nothing's, nothing's planned, man. I can't plan these things, you know, and it's, I think, um, the reason why I have some success rate, like I think Ashley said something to me a little while ago. She's like, I think you said, your mum said you should do business with Jai because he's always getting success all the time. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, it, it really did make me think because I'm like, man, what people see is the tip of the iceberg at, at the top and they don't see under the water. Hmm. And, I th- and I think like um, the reason why I've got any kind of success is because I keep swinging, you know, like, I, like the ball keeps getting pitched and I keep swinging and swinging and, I think um, I've had so many projects fail so many times and they always fail. 
and then things become successful and it's like oh okay finally something's happening like it's awesome but like obviously after a while like i start learning like the formula for yeah. like making something successful or i understand business and things like that but yeah i think the last 12 months has been a little bit it's, it's probably been the the funnest year of my life to be honest like mm. <laughs> i think it's been like a lot of it's been a huge adventure i've learned more than i have in my whole life about myself and, and about business and about like basically everything and it's not easy to jump between different tasks so one thing i did do is i sold one of my businesses which was heartbreak hotel djs and photo booths so i sold that at the end of last year to mm. sort of free up my plate uh, and another thing that i've been doing is i mean like sort of stepping back from weddings as well like shooting weddings myself so that's been another thing that i mean taking that a little bit off my plate um, and I've been hiring extra people. So this time last year to this time right now, my life is completely different. Business is yeah. totally different. Everything is so different. And I think it's something that I don't know what I'm doing at all every day that I wake up. But I do know that I love what I do. So that means I'm on the right path, you know, yeah. like the extra pressure or like the extra, I've got to make some more content. I've got to do some more stuff and more things. And I think for me, it's like um, this is a different company too because it's it's not me, the boss. Like you're the boss. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's um it's different. It's completely different structure, which means it's different culture, which means um, things are different for me because a lot of things are also out of my control, and it's a different way of learning to work. And so I'm yeah. learning so much in that aspect. That's cool. You're also getting better at delegating. You just can't. You get me and Tony on board, and you're like, "All right, guys, make the dream." <laughs> I've also always been good at that. <laughs> yeah, the hype guy. I'm the hype guy. I yeah. mean, one thing I'm actually really good at, probably the only thing I'm really good at, is um, I'm able to bring people together to make a common goal work, and I think that's mm. one of my really good strengths. Cool. Yeah. So something from someone on my Instagram recently, where they said they um, they said that they we're getting a bit tired of hearing everyone saying, if you just work hard, you will get success. Mm. They said, you can work as hard as you want, but a lot of it comes down to right place at the right time. Considering your swings and misses and your bigs, you know, hitting it out of the park, how much do you agree with that? Dude, you have to work hard to be in the right place at the right time. Beautiful. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when people say that to me, I'm like, man, you can, if you're not working hard, you're sitting in your lounge room. There's, no, there's nothing happening. Yeah, that's never going to be the right place no, or the right time. <laughs> on this podcast right now, I don't even know it, but this might be the right place at the right time. Someone might be watching. They might send us an email. Some, I'll have some opportunity and then someone else will go, Jai, you were just in the right place at the right time. It's like, no, I'm sitting here on Saturday <laughs> afternoon talking yeah. about the podcast. Like I could be doing so many other things, but here I am while everyone else is at the bar, getting myself in the right place at the right time. There we go. <laughs> we all are a little dusty. Let's be honest here. We all came in today. And we're like, ah, let's get some hot yeah, chips. <laughs> but that was because last night we were scheming and planning and getting ready. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said for like, um, and this all comes back to authenticity as well. And for me, like I've worked a lot of, different jobs in the fashion sphere and like the nine to fives and the the grind. And I think that grind, where if it's your own kind of business and your own baby, it, it is easier. It's harder, but it's easier. Mm. I think it does come more from the heart and being happy. Like I never really want to go back to a, a desk job. I don't mind working more hours for this and it's a bit sporadic and it's all over the place, but I, I am my own boss. And it's like, I, I would think I would find it really hard to go back. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's easy to live a good life when you have purpose every day. Mm. Like you're not coming in here and checking in. 
You know, you're not sitting on the seat because Tony told you to sit there. Oh, sometimes I feel like sometimes. he's got a time card on. He's like, you coming into the warehouse today? I'm like, yeah. What do you mean when you're I'm ready, I'll bus. come in. <laughs> I thought I was your boss. <laughs> I'm my own boss, babe. <laughs> I think I've worked a job in every industry. I've always worked hospitality. And often it's when I'm doing my own business or trying to – I feel like I constantly try and get out of the rat race. And then I end up working in bars and stores and cash jobs and alterations and – all that kind of thing. But I think it's, I've always had like a bit of a sway. And I think I'm just like finding my spot because I go between having a really high paying, great salary job that I don't love, but then I love the freedom of having money. And then I switch it up. And then when I think I've had too much of that, I think there's like a self-imploding thing where I go, all right, I'm going to go and just do something else now. Like I'm going to do horticulture and then I end up doing my own label. And then I don't know, it's nice to live between the two. I always wish I could save more when I'm on those really nice salary jobs. But I think we all knew going into this that it would take a while to pay ourselves and we've spoken about it. And of course, like when we do make money from the business, we want to reinvest and we want to grow the business. So up until this point, I have been working a bar job, but I'm actually looking at starting another little mini side hustle, which I can work alongside No Skin and try and make some money from that. And But again, that feels authentic to me because it's something that I am really kind of looking to put myself onto and make a personal brand out of it. And it's something that I can coincide with what I'm doing here at No Skin. So I think it's just finding the balance and still finding that. I also think like not enough people, uh, like the reason why I think No Skin will be successful because I believe like we're all on the same page of understanding it's the long game. And I think not enough people understand the long game because I've been doing it for so long, like I know the long game. And um, just, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it can be fucking frustrating and you don't have money and like whatever it is, knowing that like you're building something and you just got to keep showing up, keep doing something because tomorrow you're going to thank yourself and then you're going to do it again and then the next day and it just continues. Um, I think with that work ethic, you know that there's going to be light at the end of the time. Yeah. And I think the freedom that goes with it, the freedom to me, and I said, had this conversation with Tony, I think, because we all know at this point, we have been working on it for almost a year and you know, any one of us could walk away at this point, but, you know, I am in it for the long haul and I really love the freedom that comes with this kind of role. And I think that's something that we, you know, continue to work with and remind ourselves of. Like even Tony reminded me when we were sitting here, we're like, oh, this is hard. Like we like put this space together and we're sitting here and we're doing it all, you know, off our own back. And um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jai moved in, chucked some plants in. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, but just like, and Tony reminded me to have a look around. He's like, look what we've done. Like less than a year ago, we started this and look at this space that we've acquired. Like we're doing, and it was like a really, I was like, yep. Because I think people don't stop enough to kind of revel in the journey. We're always like, what's that end point? When's it going to happen? And it's like, actually, this is amazing. This is awesome. Mm. I think it's also worth noting as well, because people think, you know, when starting a business like this and it's, you know, hopefully it looks cool for anyone who's watching this on YouTube or watches the clips and this looks nice behind us. And it might be like, all right, yeah. That's my YouTube channel. Yeah, smash that like button. <laughs> but I think people may think, oh, from your perspective, it's like, all right, well, Jai's doing this. Maybe he's like pumped in a load of money. Or maybe this other guy, Tony, maybe he's come along and he's actually got a load of money to pump in. But there's not a lot of money that's gone into this. We also, I think it's an interesting concept to let people know about, you know, you and I put money in, we put in an equal share and then Ash invested a commitment of time because we knew up front, Jai and I didn't have the skills to design clothing. And I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't have the savings. <laughs> yeah. so, so it was a great deal. So we basically worked out what the, you know, the dollar equivalent was for Ash's time. And that was a commitment. And Ash's time ran out 
in terms of her investment at the end of 2020. That was that was the deal. So every day since 2020 that she's come in and sit here on a Saturday the way that we have, we're all here for free. We're all here for the hustle. But it was actually really nice as well. I want to mention like, and we're talking about because we're talking about money. Like when you guys approached me that night at Red Sparrow and we had dinner, I'm like, we want you to be a partner, and I was like okay, great, but that's not doable because I don't have money to contribute like you guys do. And it was actually really nice to be recognized for my skills and for the time that I put in and to be like, hey, we want you to be a partner. So we recognize that your time is valuable. So if you kind of get this up and running and you make it happen, then, you know. I've got to say, like I, um, the most successful people I know that came from nothing have never had, I've got no money as an excuse. And they've always leveraged something else like their energy their time their skills and something else and i think it's so interesting because like as creative entrepreneurs we can so often always think that we don't have opportunities because we don't have money mm. and we can't start a company because we don't have any money we can't do all these things because we think about what we don't have and we forget that we have so much like we have so much energy ambition we got dreams we got skills like there's so many things yeah. that we've done that we have and then with all that then you've got enthusiasm and then with, if you've got enthusiasm, you will show up with innovation. Oh, for sure. Instead of the money, you're going to be working totally different. And I think that's so important. You also find ways as well because you look at the money differently. I mean, there are <laughs> no shortage of fashion brands out there that have been started by people who have got a big chunk of cash behind them. They might be celebrities who want to get into space. They might have come from money. And sometimes, I, say, I say this all the time, money can't buy style. <laughs> and But it also can't buy hustle. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, Jai. <laughs> but it, it can't buy the hustle as well. You get And sometimes as well, when the money's gone in and, you know, for, for the money that I put into this business, I'm lucky enough to have a supportive partner as well because that's me not, that was our money for a deposit for a house like, or that was our money for something else. And that's resetting the bank account so I can go and start selling vegan shoes. Like we have to, but because of that, you're going to show up every day and you're going to put everything into it. Whereas if that money didn't matter to me, if it didn't matter in the same way, then I, I wouldn't you? show up the same way. So like, so the listeners that don't know, Tony had a really good paying job, um, very comfortable for this, but Tony actually got out alone and quit his job. So, you know, put that in the perspective that's like taking a huge risk but you're taking a risk on yourself do you believe in the team the products or your own ability to get back your investment well i guess it's got to be all three uh if it wasn't all three then that's where that's where the doubt would come in i think i believe in i definitely believe in my own ability like first and foremost because that's what i that's the only thing i truly know I really love that. Can I say, like, this is so funny because we were talking about, like, anxiety the other day and having this thing. And Tony's like, yeah, I don't really get anxiety. I'm like, ever? <laughs> He's like, nah. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you don't think about that dumb thing that you said 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, but maybe I do, maybe I just... <laughs> no, I think maybe I just... Pro- but do you know what I did? I used to... Saying that I would get it about my old job. And when I've... You know, I speak to my family now. Yeah. And when, and when as well, I think for me, it's like, you know, I come from a background of project management and organization and that's, you know, that's why I'm that person in this business. But when I had things I wasn't then in so much control of, that's when I get the anxiety. But when I'm at the reins, when I'm behind the wheel. I say control freak, right? Yeah. I'm a control freak. (laughs) Damn right. I'm a control freak. Like, (laughs) (laughs) because that's how I can give. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But, Another whiskey? And then, <laughs> but then, of course, I believe in the team. But I had to take a chance on that because, like we've said not long ago, is I didn't really know that. And then I had to take a chance that I believe in the product because, you know, I yeah, we got it Tony out of skinny jeans and into our beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Relaxed denim here. Exactly. But I had to like, I had to take a chance on believing in the product. So coming in the day that I took out the loan and I quit my job and I put my money behind it, the only thing I could be sure about was my ability to make my investment back. And over time, the other stuff is give it, I've got equal confidence in that as well. But you just have to look at that. It comes down to like self-worth. Like what is the opposite of that? Self-doubt. So I think, I think self-worth is something that's so important to succeed as well. Um, I think a lot of like people's anxieties and the things that, well, people give up and there's just that negative kind of talk in their head, which I guess is maybe what anxiety is like mm-hmm. in some kind of level. So to, to lack that is good as long as you're not a psychopath. Love that. <laughs> no, but it's definitely like a learning point and it's something that I'm coming into learning as well is to like have more trust in my abilities and belief and kind of go, oh, I can put an idea forward and then we can carry it through and it's not yeah. being second-guessed. Saying that as well, I think it's, I have all of that assuredness in us making our investment back, but this is, you know, we had a, a discussion about this in the early days as well as I also find comfort in making peace with the worst case scenario and kind of knowing I'm comfortable with that. Or looking... You always like spin me the worst case scenarios. I'm like, Tony, why are you fucking thinking yeah. about that shit? I think that's how, that's how I remove the anxiety. Let's get somewhere. <laughs> but if I, if I make sure I'm comfortable with the worst case scenario, then I'm not going to sit there worrying about what could be. It's like I've run that process. It's very rational. But at the same time as well, I think anyone who's going out there and they're taking a chance on themselves or making a business is don't just look at the dollar figure and don't look at the dollar figure opportunity. Look at everything you can learn. And I took the opportunity to work with Jai on something who's, you know, done, you know, done this, done a bunch of stuff and been swinging and missing and swinging and hitting for years before I have. So I'm like, well, what a great opportunity to learn from somebody else who's been doing this. That's worth a big chunk of my investment regardless of what the business does and i actually think it's the same for my investment as well because yeah. like i'm learning i'm like i said i'm just learning shit right yeah so it's like for me to say no to something like this the opportunity cost there is like jay you already know what's going to happen when you say no like yeah. your money will stay in the bank what will happen yeah literally nothing nothing can happen you're not in the right place at the right time so if I do do this, and even if I go bankrupt, mate, that's a good story. I'm going to sell books about it. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's so lucky. He's got a book out there and then bankrupt. <laughs> also, the worst case scenario isn't even that bad. You know what I mean? It always const- you constantly come back to like, I have my health. I live in a first world country. Like there's nothing that terrible. It's like the fears in your mind can overtake and you, and it probably is good to think about worst case scenario and go, you know what? Worst case scenario, I'll be fine. Yeah. But it's not you worth it. You might lose the money, you might lose your apartment, you might have to sleep in the back of your car. Yeah. Someone will take yeah, your you car. can sleep Who in the knows? warehouse whenever you want. <laughs> like, um, like, I think about those things and I'm like, that's not that bad. Because I just think I still have my, if, as long as I've got my health and my ability to hustle. Yeah. If I was on the streets, mate, I'd be out there selling the best fake Rolexes you've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> But I think that's where the self-assur- self-assuredness comes from, yeah. is you know, and don't get me wrong, I know that's a, it's a luxury to even feel that way about yourself or to have that confidence in yourself. It's hard to obtain and that comes from maturity and time as well. But to know that if this does all go to shit, I feel confident that I can get myself back to at least a decent situation. 
And I would, I would encourage, and again, I always kind of caveat things with, I understand that not everybody can just quit their job and jump into something tomorrow. You know, there is, there are a lot of considerations. There are a lot of things, but more people can than they think they can. You know, there are, and you can, you can talk about how I kind of like egged you on a little bit. Smirks when I get fired. <laughs> Coaxes you out of a paying yeah. job. That's it. I'm, I'm literally the little devil on <laughs> job. But the job. But the way to look at that is I'm now, I'm now sitting here having done that and I'm talking to other people I know, not ones who are just, you know, working their job and that's their focus and that, but people have got like something brewing in the sidelines or I know that they've got something else they want to be doing might quit your job oh i'm that person as well when i catch up with my friends i'm like we laugh me and my friend talking about like i might ever have a few drinks i'm like i get on my soapbox and i'm like you should do that thing you could and i think like it's like i think it's about tapping into your intuition and if you want to do something you should be doing it and i think that's like your intuitive voice talking and going but then you have all these things like you grow up and you're told no's and shoulds and you always have this little intuitive voice and i think in the last like year or two i've especially like tapped into my intuition like through like meditation and slowing down and losing my job was like great like i, I had time to sit with myself and think well, what do i want to do how do i want to do this i think it's so cool even just to be like surrounded by the movies and shakers and this reminds me of a story that i want to tell do you remember um i was in los angeles and i was at the airport and I was actually, I was actually sitting on the floor in the airport, and I was writing this little ebook that I was making. And I said, "Maybe break it's on the shop right now." And buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Great end plug. of the story. <laughs> plug over. And, um, and I was like in LA, and I was like just walking around the corner. I was like writing, then I went and got a snack, and then I was coming back, and I was walking around the corner to like go and nestle on my little spot on the floor there to keep writing. And I walked around the corner, and Ashley is like walks almost into me, and I'm like, "What the hell, I'm like, Ashley? What's going on?" And you're like, I think you were like, oh, I just come back from New York City and I'm doing this project on makers and shakers and I'm like interviewing people and we went and looked at some stuff and I bought some things and, and I was like, cool. And I was like, I'm just writing this book and, I, and I'm just sitting over there doing some stuff. And, and then our, like our paths crossed or whatever. And I was just We took a photo there. to send to my mom. <laughs> my mom loves Jyla. You mentioned it before. <laughs> we're from the same tiny small town. So to run into each other, we grew up together. So to run into each other at like LAX, it was just like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, but it was so interesting because I think, um, like, sometimes I feel alone because, you know, I don't always have the support network and I'm, I'm like, probably one of those people that, like, even if no one was here, I'd still be here doing stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always doing all these things, but it's so interesting that um, our paths cross and I just started, and I just remember thinking, like, man, out of all the people that I grew up with and all the people that I know, like, actually doing that project, she is the maker and shaker that's always doing shit. And it's funny that we crossed paths because I'm also always doing shit. And then we came about to like doing something like this together. But I think like little things along the line. That little things little along, things the, along, way. along <laughs> the way. I'm like, yeah. man, like we need to be doing something together. Like something because you're not here talking about what you're gonna do, you're just doing things. You know? Which inspires me. I mean, for instance, you got signed by a record label two days ago. Yeah. yeah. It just didn't seem like a big deal when you told me a couple of days ago. I'm like, is that a fucking big deal? Because you're not really making a big deal. Yeah. And it is a big deal. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's like a, a open information yet, but it's, it's happening. Yeah. It's so go check out Bitch like, Diesel. <laughs> people out there that talk about things that they want to do, and then there's others out there that are doing the things and then just showing people results. And I think that's really cool. There are, for sure. By those people right now. And I think one of the one of the biggest examples, and maybe something that kind of prompted me to 
go ahead and quit my job from doing those things, <laughs> aside from driving like, you quit your job yet? Uh, <laughs> is one thing I did as well is, you know, as we're doing now, I saw this and I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast. And I'm absolutely telling the story to plug my podcast, Producing with Purpose, available on all major podcast networks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you do it in monotone, no one picks up on it. <laughs> Subliminal messaging. <laughs> yeah. But it was, in a way, Producing with Purpose. You can find it on Spotify as well, on Apple Podcasts, or in the link below if you're watching on YouTube. These are lots of episodes? There's uh, 13 episodes, so it's pretty new. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait to That's my subscribe lucky number. to it. Yeah. What? 13. Oh. Leave a review. <laughs> One, seven, Mate, don't even get me started on the podcast, but 17 is the go. I'll tell you later. <laughs> what happens on 17? <laughs> you know the property I went and looked at yesterday? What? Number 17, baby. I know. That was just random as well. It's like number yeah. 17, Yarra Street. What? I need to know this 17 story. Yeah. Can I out for it? what I'm saying <laughs> but 73 that's is it because of NBA or something uh, it's that's my that's my hockey number yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyone gets that high it's like yeah it's on a sports thing yeah <laughs> 120 <laughs> <laughs> how many episodes to make the make you break there are it, it, yeah maybe <laughs> um fans of like Seinfeld or something that's like that's how many episodes I've watched or how many hours I've watched <laughs> how, many, <laughs> how many hours I've watched yeah but no I think put, putting yourself out there Matt like and the thing is I talk about the podcast more because this this business is you know it's a slow it's a slow burn there's a lot of good things happening and you know every week another cool thing happens another thing progresses um, but even with the podcast is I have only got like 13 episodes of it and I put it out there and this was totally new to me and it all comes down to that thing of just you know, defining your personal brand, just trying to jump on it. And the people I've managed to talk to and that and the opportunities that have come from it was actually something that gave me reassurance to go out and quit my job. Because it's like, if I can just put my time and effort into starting a podcast and actually put myself out there and get this much of a positive response and get, you know, amazing people get involved with it and back it, then there's actually so much that we don't do just because we think it's not going to go well. We think that people aren't going to be encouraging or supportive of it and it was yeah it's a massive reassurance and if you if you've got something you're thinking about doing is try and try and just have a go at it for a short period of time and get out there because as well when you wake up every morning and you're pumped to be doing something and to come to work on a Saturday and to do other things like that what's well, actually you gave us the opportunity for this warehouse actually it's a good segue like one of your um people that you interviewed was a CEO of Homie who we actually share this space with and it just kind of came about that was that Nick was asking you where we were going to store our product once it got here and we didn't have a space. And then he was like, well, we have a warehouse. and Yeah, it's right. Putting yourself, as, exactly as you yeah, say, right? I just, how, how lucky was I? Right place at the right time. It's like, yeah, but I spent a hundred hours before that learning a podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Like you have two different types of um, podcasters. You got the educators and you got the reporters. And a lot of the times, like, we think you need to be an educator or you need to be, like, at the top of the game to actually have something valuable. But you can be a reporter. And what's yeah. amazing about that is, like, you're actually going in and interviewing CEOs and people that have done this years ahead of you. And then you're doing masterminds with them, asking those burning questions that you want to hear and getting yeah. confidence, bringing it out to other people. So you're reporting 
which means you're learning so much. And I think that's to be in that space because like, um, and something I admire about you as well, because being in that space, like for one is uncomfortable, but for two, like it's like reading books, man. Like, you know, I don't really like to spend too much time with people that don't read books or don't, you know, expand their knowledge in some way. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're talking to these people, uh, yeah, it gives me a lot more confidence in the Mm. company as well. Good to know. I admire it too. Oh, isn't this a nice day? (laughs) Um, Should we start wrapping up a little bit? I think so. Yeah, so from you guys, like what do you think about like no skin right now? Um, Where, like I want to hear the unrealistic goals. Like where do you think this company's going to go? What's the big dream? Like if you could just dream up anything, just, you know, have this whiskey and skyrocket out into to the moon. Like what are we thinking here? I think I definitely want us to be able to grow past the point of Melbourne and have another location. And that is a little bit from my own warranted um, perspective of like wanting to move back to the country and where we come from and that kind of thing. And Jai and I have spoken about moving back to where we're from. We're like, well, why can't we grow the business enough that we have like a port up here near Byron Bay and then we have one down here in Melbourne? And I don't know, I like the idea of it growing beyond us. Like, I think it scares me a little bit, like the idea of having a team and staff members and that kind of thing. But of course, that just that comes to the territory. Yeah. Well, I need to, I need to get better at delegating <laughs> <laughs> before that happens. Yeah. What about you, man? What's your unrealistic? Uh, unrealistic goal is I want to be. I you know we're we're a vegan clothing label. We're an ethical clothing label, and I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of changes that are going to happen in the next ten years in that space in general. And I'm here now so that when the world you know, it's an unrealistic goal for me that the world is going to majority shift into that way of thinking. And I want to be the business who's there and who's ready to be the go-to for all of those people doing that. So I'm in this game now so that when the mentality shifts and when people's attitudes shift in 10 years, we're seeing the way that, you know, when, when the view of athletic clothing shifted and people got into all of that, brands like, you know, Nike and stuff were at the forefront. That's where we're going to be because we're putting in the foundations now. So we're going to be far bigger than we're going to be far bigger than Melbourne, far bigger than the country up there. It's going to be the international renowned brand for vegan clothing. That's cool. Yeah, my my unrealistic goal is that we're easy, like the biggest vegan fashion label in Australia. Because I think that's a small goal, but like, <laughs> I want to be known. Like so, it's like big international people. Yeah. Stuff. Um, and it starts a conversation. Like I reckon, yeah. you make a big impact. It's just a conversation. Like two people sitting there on a couch and they're going, "Hey, look at my jeans. Hey, you know they're vegan. What makes them vegan? Well, actually, this and this." Oh. And it's just like someone just thinking. You know, it's just like a, that tiny bit of awareness, a little bit yeah. of shift. Like if you can do that on a global scale, mate, you're making changes mm-hmm. on a world scale. And I think that's well, that's what we said going insane. into this. I, I didn't go unrealistic enough of my goals there. I was just like, uh, <laughs> I want to live in the I country. But I think like part of it going into it was that we wanted to make, and I mean, make kindness cool again was one of the things that we spoke about at the start. And it's like we wanted first and foremost for the the product itself to stand apart and then, you know, do watch this mind shift. Like, and people are shifting and they're changing and people are thinking about how their clothes are made and how things are being done. But I mean, I guess I've always said that, you know, this is how you change their mindset. Like you don't make daggy things. You make people want the product and then like as a byproduct, it is sustainable. It is vegan. It kind of ticks all these boxes. Yeah. So. And for me, man, like I'm second generation 
vegetarian and been vegan for a long time and I think it's um, something that's close to my heart. I'm not a big activist. I, I don't protest and I don't like to share too much about veganism and stuff. Mm. But I'm the type of person that's like, um, I'm like, it's not anyone else's fault. And if I want to see a change, I have to change it myself. Like that's yeah. what it is. If you want to see change in the world, you're going to have to make change in the world. Uh, and somebody I had on my podcast, she made a great point and I've actually carried that with me from that point onwards. And she said, you know, your brand is your activism. And that's a big thing that I think for us, and we're not out there holding, you know, signs up and going on this thing, but by doing this and making an amazing product and making a really aspirational brand, but doing it with an underlying purpose is actually a great way for us to be activists for something we believe about and also do something that we absolutely love doing and combine all those shared interests and beliefs as well. Cool. All right. Thanks for chatting with us today, guys. Um, mm. He is sitting here on Ashley's lap. Um, you can probably hear us snoring right now. Um, <laughs> on YouTube, go and check it out. I might even do a little. I'm going to get Tony to film this, and I'll do a little intro on YouTube, so it's a little bit different, so you get to see a little bit behind the scenes. And we'll actually walk around the studio to show you as well. So you're going to have to go onto YouTube to check that out. You can find me at Jai Long. Um, I, I don't really know YouTube too much. So <laughs> Just search Jai Long. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that's it thank you again everyone that's um, sat through and listened I hope this brought you some inspiration I hope this brought you some energy for your week going forward and uh, as always slide into my DMs if you want to chat about anything I'm always an open book ready to help anyone so yeah see you soon see ya